Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Psalm 25. Turn back to Psalm 25. We'll start going over that today. Uh, we're making our way through um, six of the Psalms this summer, and we'll get done uh, right around a Labor Day weekend, I think is our, our last one. That's on the, uh, the 5th, so we're looking forward to that. It should be another celebration Sunday uh, with hopefully some food afterwards as well. So we're looking forward to that. Um, we're in Psalm 25, and, and really looking at uh, how, to, how to follow God's ways during dark days, during dark times. And, and so we're going to look really in depth at dark days and what does it take during dark days to really come out of that and, and to come to the point of saying, you know what, darkness is here and it's around, but we have trusted in the light who, that is God and we're going to, to trust him. So we're going to look at some things uh, through this psalm that we just read a few minutes ago and, and just see what we can explore through dark days. About halfway through the sermon, we'll have a children's corner. I'll invite the children to come up and give them a little object lesson, illustration. I'm actually going to try and sing a song to them and help them memorize a song. I have my guitar up here. I know it's going to be bad. You're going to have to help me out, okay, as I sing that. It's going to be great. All right, so we're in Psalm 25, and uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing again. I'm going to pray, and then we're going get, to get right into our first point. Lord, thanks so much for allowing us to be here, to be together. God, we thank you that, uh, that you are worthy to call Lord. You are worthy to worship. You are worthy of our time and our efforts and our inner energy, Lord. You're, you're worthy of all the, all the risk of our lives as well. So, Lord, we, we ask that you would be with us, that you would guide us and direct us, Lord, that you would um, let us enter your truth, God, with discernment, good, with open hearts and open minds uh, to be receptive to it. We ask that you would help conform us into the image of Christ. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we left some doors open, and there's a fly buzzing around. And so it's coming towards me. And so don't be too distracted by that when it lands on my face, all right? It's one of those videos. I know we're recording this for later on, too. So it's one of those viral videos, you know, the pastor with a fly on his head, right? So it'll happen. It'll, I'm sure it'll happen. I won't laugh if it's on your head. Don't laugh if it's on my head, all right? So we're at Psalm 25, uh, looking at in dark days. And the first thing we see here, if we're open, open to the scripture, we see that in dark days, the help and forgiveness that we need comes from God. The help and forgiveness that we need comes from God. We have to understand that. We have to put ourselves in that mindset of, you know, darkness is here, and, and the world is going to point us to all types of directions, all types of fixes, all types of ways to, to light our path and to find illumination. And I, I, was, I was reading something the other day. Someone was posting about their life and about how, how, how good their alignment has become. And I'm just like, it's a bunch of hogwash. It's just not, it's not truth. They're, they're aligning themselves with things that aren't Scripture and just, just with feelings, right? And feelings come and go, but, but the Word of the Lord lasts forever. And when we stand on God, He is our everlasting rock, and, and He will never be moved and never be shaken. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It will never change. And that, that to me, brings hope. Does that bring hope to you? He will never change. The world changes, things shift, priorities shift, our own lives uh, go through all kinds of crazy seasons, but He will never change ever change. So we're in Psalm 25. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7, that our help and our, our forgiveness uh, that we need comes from God. He says, Lord, I, I appeal to you. My God, I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. So let's cover that first little section in the first three verses. What we see here is that the help and forgiveness we need comes from God. Uh, and, and we see the psalmist saying, I need help. I need help. I, I, need, I need to come out of this place. And he says, Lord, I appeal to you. Now, I think it was last week we talked about, you know, who may ascend the, the mountain of the, of the Lord, who may, who may enter his temple, right? Those with clean hands and pure hearts who, who don't give themselves over to false idols or what is false. And the idea last week was that when we give ourselves over to what is false, we're giving ourselves over from our soul. 
It's like we're, we're putting all of our chips in that basket. We're saying, this is what matters the most. This is going to guide my life. This is going to be what means the most to me. So it's, it's the same here in Psalm 25. We see him say, Lord, I appeal to you. <clears throat> what he really is saying is, Lord, I lift my soul to you. I direct my attention to you. And it's, listen, it's not just about raising our hands and getting emotional, and it's not this physical, I'm going to look towards God or look at the things of God, or I'm going to even align with the priorities of God. It's that I'm going to align my heart there first. <clears throat> I think it's too often we come from a place of saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to do all the right things, and then I'll feel it. When God's really like, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then those things will be added unto you as well. So it has to come from the depth of our heart, the core of who we are, saying, I really want to lift my soul to God. I want to entrust my soul to Him in His care, and I need His help. So it's not just a fake, I need your help. It's a real, I need your help at the core of who I, who I am. My God, I trust in you. He says, don't let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. Why would He say that? I think there are so many times, you think about this, when we have a false sense of like security in the Lord, we, we, put, we put ourselves in His hands, kind of. We make it look like we're there. What, what do people call that? Because we can't live consistently there. We, they call it hypocrisy, right? What's the big, the big thing that people say, I, I'm not going to church. That place is full of hypocrites, right? That's when our enemies can gloat over us. It's when we kind of just appeal to what is false and said, I'm going to kind of feel secure, but I'm just going to check off the boxes and not really entrust my soul and my spirit to God. Because I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be disgraced. I don't want my enemies to gloat over me. And he, he goes on in verse 3, no one who waits for you, Lord, and, and this, this word waits for you, we'll see it again later on. It, it really it translates, no one who's, whose hope is in you, no one who hopes in you will be disgraced. So when we really appeal to him, when we really lift our souls to him and say, God, I'm entrusting myself to you. My hope is in you. I will not be disgraced. But those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. This word treacherously is the opposite of waiting for you or hoping in God. So we have those who hope in God, who lift their souls to God, and treachery is those who are, who are faithless and who are, who are in faithless uh, desertion of God, and, and, and really, there's, honestly, there's nowhere else to turn, right? But they turn away from God. So the psalmist is saying, my help comes from God. I, I need to entrust myself to Him. There's nowhere else I could turn. So he goes on, looking for help and, and forgiveness. It says, make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. This is verse 4. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Again, I wait for you. I hope in you all day long. Make your ways known to me. God, I, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be led where you want me to be led. I want to go where you want me to go. I want my priorities to be your priorities. My microphone's really cutting out, isn't it? Stand by. We'll move that around a little bit. Try that. So we want, we want our priorities to align with God's. We want him to make his ways known. So the psalmist is saying, I need help and insight to understand your ways. And, and what, a, what a great plea to God. Say, God, I, I'm confused. It's dark. It's difficult right now. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know how I should behave. I don't know what I should do in this situation. So what should we do? We cry out to God. God, help. Help give me understanding. I want to know you more. I want you to make your ways known to me. So I'll wait for you. I'll, I'll hope in you. So we see that he needed help, and he, he wants insight to understand God's ways. And then finally, verses 6 through 7 in this section, he, he needs the help, and he needs what? Forgiveness from God. It comes from God. So we see this confession there, and it's almost this reminder. And, and think about this. When you and I have dark days, 
when, when this is gloomy and it's hard and it, it's difficult to be around certain people, it's difficult to be even at work or whatever it might be, we have to have these reminders. And part of these reminders, I want you to understand, it's preaching to yourself, right? From God's word, from God's authority, it's a pep talk. It, he's, not, he's not telling God to remember because God is what? Forgetful? Is God forgetful? No, God's not forgetful. He's not saying, God, remember this. What he's saying is, remember and he's really preaching to himself. I need to remember this about the Lord. What does he say? Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love. God does not need to be reminded of his compassion and his faithful love. That's who he is. But you and I, on the other hand, you and I always have to be reminded of God's compassion and his faithful love. He says, for they've existed from antiquity. From the moment you started dealing with humanity, your faithful love and compassion were always present and always have been. And then he says, do not remember. He has because, well, listen, do not remember what? The sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. Why? What's he dealing with? Sin, and he's dealing with shame and guilt. Who's remembering his sins? He is, right? He, he knows how deeply he sinned and how, how separated from God that's caused him. And, and even that his sin has maybe created the darkness in his days. So what does he say? Remember them no more. He, in, in his own preaching to himself, he's like, God, I want forgiveness. But he says to himself, don't remember those. Let, let those be separated as far as the east is from the west. Stop dwelling on how bad you are, how much of a failure you were, how much sin you were involved in. If you've come to Christ and, and, and sought forgiveness, he has wiped that clean. So remember, remember my sins no more. And he says, in keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. I love this. As the psalmist says, you know, there's dark days, there's gloom, there's, there's despair. But he says, all of this has to come from your faithful love, from your goodness. When we are in dark days, we cannot get out of dark days any other way than through his faithful love and his goodness. There's nowhere else we can go to find that type of faithful love and goodness, only from God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. The psalmist knows. He says, I, I look for help, and, and, and where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And then he describes the Lord. He says, maker of heaven and earth. When we say there's nowhere else to go, we're saying that God is infinitely the most powerful person, being there ever is and ever will be. He's the creator of everything. There is literally nowhere else we can go. And, and if we don't go there, there's literally no one else we will have to answer to for final judgment. The buck always will stop with him. So are we going to trust him as the creator of heaven and earth who, who offers us help, who offers us his faithful love and his goodness? Or are we going to slip and are we going to slumber? The psalmist says he will not allow your foot to slip. In dark days, we need that. We need that stability in dark days for our foot not to slip. The protector will not slumber. He will not fall asleep on the job. He will always be there. Listen, when we are new in Christ, we are on solid ground. And we must be reminded to remind ourselves that our help comes from God. Amen? In dark days, number two, if our help comes from God, then we have to embrace this. Number two is God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Let's look at the next part of our text in Psalm 25, looking at verses 18, or sorry, 8 through 14. It says, The Lord is good and upright. 
Therefore, he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All of the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. So God can be trusted, that first part of that section, to guide. God can be trusted to guide. So we, we cry out for help. And then we say, God, I, I, know you, I know you can be trusted, so I want to follow your ways. Teach me those. Show me those things. You are good, and you are upright. Now, here's, here's the problem that we find and face. When we say, God, you are good, and you are upright, that is such a huge truth, isn't it? He is good, and he is upright. So everything he says and tells us to do is good and upright. But we don't always live that way. We, we live confused in a world that wants us to be confused. A world that says, well, this is good and upright, or this is good and upright. Well, maybe this is okay. Maybe this is upright. And all the while, as we start to sway our, our, the attention of our heart and our eyes towards those things, we start to believe that they are good and upright. And when we do that, what do we do? We're taking away our hope and our trust in God, who is good and upright. Because if God is good and upright, what he says is good and upright. And if I'm believing something that, that he says is true, is false, then I'm not believing that he's good and upright. The psalmist said he's good and upright. He, he can be trusted. You and I have that wrestling in our heart. This world has a wrestling in its heart. It must seek truth in God alone who's good and upright. So for you and I, what does that mean? We have to question that all the time. We have to question, what are the priorities of my life? What are the preferences or my policies that I believe in? What, what do I, I, I told you this during the election several months ago, right? Like, we cannot let our politics inform our faith, right? We can't. That's, that's backwards. We let the one that's good and upright inform our politics, amen? Like, and, and not just our politics, everything about our life informs the way, way we are with our money, the way we are relationally with, with people, it's, it's all across the board that God is good and upright, and He should inform us about what's good and upright. So we trust in Him. The next part of that section, verse 11 through 14, He goes on, Lord, for the sake of Your name, forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. So listen, He cried out already, right? He said, God, I know that my help comes from You, and, and I need help and forgiveness. I need to be reminded that You have forgiven me. And here, He's, he's saying God can be trusted. To what? to be merciful and gracious and compassionate, to forgive his sins. So he said, Lord, for the sake of your name, well, what about his name? His holy name, his good name, his upright name, his faithful love that goes before his name, his goodness that is all about his name. For the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. You ever have one of those days? Like, I am so bad. My sin is immense. He goes on, who is the person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. What does that mean? There's a reverence there. There's a, there's a knowledge. Says, the fear says, I know that God is good and upright. And because he's good and upright, he is also going to be fully just. And that he will fully put his wrath upon sin and judge sin. And he says it's immense. So he pleads for God's mercy and his grace, which was poured out for him and for you and for me on Jesus. So that we could believe and be free from our sin. So we have to understand there's a fear, there's a knowledge that we will be judged for our sin. But through faith in Christ, we can be made whole and forgiven. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life. Literally, that means he will dwell in what is good. When we come to that place where God is 
where our help and our trust come from. We are, our, all of our help and our forgiveness come from him. And then we say he's to be trusted. We, we, can, we can actually live a good life, dwell in what is good. Because we're dwelling in and, and living from what is good and upright in the Lord. And it goes on. It pours out from that. He will live a good life or dwell in what is good. And his descendants will inherit the land. This pours on to future generations. Verse 14, the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he reveals his covenant to them. So you and I have to have this respect for God and that God is the one who is going to lead us and guide us, that he's the one that's good and upright and we need to follow his way. See, once you come to reverently fear God and and see that he is mighty to save, his perfect love then will cast out all fears. And that's what what the psalmist is going to God with, all these fears and this, this discouragement and despair. Psalm 27, one through three says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Think about those two words, light and salvation, right? He's, he's my light. He guides me into all truth. He guides me where I should go. And he's my salvation. He, in, in him is the only way I have forgiveness. In him is the only way I can stand good and upright before him is because of what he has done. He, he is my light and my salvation. And we come to him with that heart that he is my light and my salvation. The scriptures say, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? What's the answer, church? What? No one. Nothing. If we fear the Lord and He is our light and our salvation, we fear nothing. There are still dark days, but there's hope in the light that the Lord brings through His salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life, He says. Whom should I dread? The answer is no one. When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. And, and here's... here's This is a phrase I want us to get used to hearing. Even though, dot, 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 I still will. Even though, dot, 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 fill in the dots and blanks, I still will. So listen to what the psalmist says. Though an army deploys against me, right? Even though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Even though an army deploys against me, I will still not fear. Even though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I will still be confident. This this is the the cry of a heart who trusts in the good and upright graciousness of God, who is mighty to save, who is a light. And and we need to trust. God can be trusted. And when we entrust ourselves to God, even though we still will be confident in Him. Our hope is still in Him. All right, I want to take a pause right there, um, and we're going to invite our kids to come up in the kids' corner. So kids, if you want to come up here uh, for a minute, we're going to sit in the front row here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you kids coming up and doing that, and hopefully you can sing that song. It's amazing how a song has so much impact. I don't know, for you, I'll just give a quick story on that. Um, I was probably 16, 17 years old, working uh, for a, a drafter, an engineer, and doing drafting and, and doing odd jobs. And I remember, like, it was, it was really a, a monumental time in my, my faith when I started growing, not only through the Word of God, but also in, into Christian music. And I just remember having, um, I don't know where I got it, it was a cassette tape, right, of Amy Grant. It was like Amy Grant's greatest hits or something like that, right? And I even know, even then, it, it was out of date. So I get it, it was out of date, I get, I get it, okay? But I was working with some older Christian people, that's what they had. So I had a, an Amy Grant Greatest Hits uh, cassette. 
And when I went uh, out on, on jobs, I would, I would play that in the cassette player in the vehicle, right? And I, we'd dri- I'd drive like a 45-minute drive there or, or maybe a 20-minute drive. Then I'd be doing perk tests and digging holes all, all afternoon. And I, I remember this song, and a lot of songs on there, but this song was just one of those songs that really resonated probably from my childhood and came back, and it just really reignited just a passion for God's Word in my heart. So it's amazing what songs will do. So I would, I would encourage you parents to go home and turn on Amy Grant, Thy word, and, uh, and listen to it a little bit today so the kids can ca- ca- catch in that, okay? All right. Thank you, thank you all for singing along, by the way. You did a very good job. So we are in the, in the section here where God can be trusted. Um, one of the things I, I think it's important to know is, is, and I said this verse, that, that he is that light. And, and when we talk about the way that God is a light, uh, and we will talk about those three ways in a minute again, but the, the way that God is a light, it, it's, it's not always just he's a lamp unto my feet. So he, and he's there, he's a lamp there, and literally they, they wear with lamps on their ankles to see what's in front of them. But he's a light unto my path. There's more ahead as well on the path, and it, gets, it lets me see kind of ahead a little bit. And maybe I don't get to see the full picture or, or see exactly what's there, but I, I have a bearing to go towards as well. So Psalm 119, starting at 105, says, uh, God, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. So there's this connection there with God's light and and guiding us, and we want to keep his law, keep his word. Then he says, "I'm, I'm severely afflicted. Lord, give me life according to your word. Right? When we're afflicted, we're in dark days, the word is such an important thing to go towards. Lord, please accept my free will offerings of praise and teach me your judgments. That free will offering of praise comes back to the condition of the heart. See, and I, I really want with all my heart to trust and, and to give my soul to God. So my life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. There's, a, there's that even though yet I still will, right? Um, he says, even though my life is constantly in danger, I will still not forget your instruction. The wicked have set a trap for me. But I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart, the joy of my heart. And I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. See, listen, in dark days, he can be trusted as a light leading us into truth and stability. I mentioned earlier to the kids, and it's so true for us to know this, that that God gives us this light by the power of his word, by the presence of his spirit, and in the company of his people. And it's so important for us to know that. There are too many times where, where we, we, get, we get on this, this tangent. We, we're praying and we're seeking God's word. And okay, I, oh, I, I got a word from the Lord in the Psalms. Or I got a word from the Lord. Here's the verse. And I just live by it. I didn't ask any questions about it. I didn't, I didn't double check it. I didn't cross reference it. I didn't ask my brothers and sisters what they thought. We cannot leave that out. I mean, there's plenty of times where we should be walking in step with the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit of God and letting Him direct our path. But when it comes down to those times where we have real deep need and deep uh, counsel, we ought to be seeking that from God's people as well. People who love God, who love God's Word, and who are going to give you counsel from the Holy Spirit. That's, that's why I believe how the Holy Spirit communicates with us often is through other people. I want to give you this, uh, this illustration with this light. Um, there was a... a an old preacher, a, a 19th century British pastor named F.B. Meyer. And he was sailing from Northern Ireland to a, a seaside port in the coast of England. And, and they, were see, they were sailing along. And, and the story goes that it was so thick of fog and it was, it was really hard to see. It was dark. And he was worried about that. He's like, I've never sailed before like this. I'm not a captain. I don't know what to do. So he approached the captain. And he asked, how in the world are you going to get us into the port? How are you going to do this? Right? And I even mentioned that with the kids. What's one of the things that's on the seashore for us to avoid rocks, right? 
You have these great lighthouses, shining lights out there, so ships can kind of sail around them or, or navigate around. But as, as it is coming into port, the captain said, come up on the bridge, let me show you something. And he, he brings him to the bridge, and he says, look out to the, to the shore, towards the shoreline. You see that light over there? Oh, okay, I kind of see a light. Yeah, that, that's a light. You see there's another one over there, right? Oh, yeah, I see that light. Okay, you see one more a little further back, but it's, it's right there. Oh, yeah, I see, I see those lights. He said, well, what do they have to do with that? And the captain said, what we do, these are called leading lights, and what we do is we align the ship so that all of those lights move together into one line. And as soon as those lights are together in one line, we turn our boat towards the shore and we sail into harbor because that's the port. That's why they're there. They're directions. They're there to guide us in safe to shore. They're leading lights. God's Word is like that for us, and, and God's people are like that, and God's Spirit. So for you and I, as we, are we inter, if we're in dark days or we're entering in or coming out of or, or around it, we need to understand that God is a leading light for us, and He set His Word up, and He set His people up, and He set His Spirit there to guide us safe into the harbor. Psalm 18, 28 says, Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. In dark days, He can be trusted. Number three, in dark days, trusting God brings victory. So you see the progression we've gone through? In, in dark days, the help I need is in God. In dark days, God can be trusted. And in dark days, trusting God brings victory. Trusting God brings victory. Let's go back to Psalm 25. Look at verses 15 through the following at the end of the chapter. My eyes are always on the Lord, for He will pull, pull my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am alone and afflicted. The distresses of my heart increase. Bring me out of my suffering. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive my sins. Consider my enemies. They are numerous and they hate me violently. Guard me and rescue me. Do not let me be disgraced, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you. God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. So if you look at that last section there, what we see is, is the, the places that God is ready to bring victory, at least in this passage. There's more than this. But as we enter in dark days, or as we're in dark days, and we trust God for the victory, here are some ways that, that He needed victory. What does it say? My eyes are always on the Lord, for He will pull me out of the net. So out of danger, out of danger or harm. He says, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am alone and afflicted. So God brings victory out of loneliness. Right? Those are places of despair for us, right? Danger or loneliness. Next he says, out of broken, being brokenhearted. The distresses of my heart increase. Bring me out from my suffering. Bring me out from my suffering. So there's danger and loneliness. There's brokenheartedness there. Verse 18, consider my afflictions and my trouble and forgive my sins. What are some more dark days? Their regrets. We talked about that earlier, the shame and regret and the guilt we have over the sin we've committed in our life or the way we've hurt our, ourselves or others. So he's, he's wanting to come out of those things. He goes on, so it's danger and loneliness, brokenhearted, regrets, and now he says fear. Fear creeps in so, so much, doesn't it? It's so, so subtle, and then it, bam, it's just fear is what guides our life and, and leads us. He says, consider my enemies. They're numerous, and they hate me violently. He's describing them pretty clearly, isn't he? He's like, this is really, really tough for me right now. He says, guard me and rescue me. Do not let me be disgraced. For, for what? I take refuge in you. Again, the psalm is saying, I trust in you. And I know that all of these areas of despair and discouragement, 
that are present in my life, these dark days in my life, as I, as I trust you, you're going to be, bring victory because you are my refuge and my hope. I take refuge in you. He says, may integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you. There's that, that phrase again, I wait for you. Literally meaning, I hope in you. My hope is in you. It's not just like, I'm waiting for you to answer, God. Come on, get on it. He's saying, you know what? I know who you are, and I know whose I am, and I am going to hope in you, even though I will still hope in you. God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. So you have despair, you have danger, you have loneliness, you have brokenheartedness, you have regrets, you have fear, you have dark days. What is the solution? I hope in you. You are my refuge and my strength. You will guide me safe to shore. Last passage I want to read is in Romans chapter 8. Literally, this, I left a title here because the title of this section in my Bible says, From Groans to Glory. From Groans to Glory. And I think it's so appropriate to see this. Paul writes in chapter 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth, the comparing, are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So what is he saying? There's something going on right now and something different that is going to take place. Isn't that the truth of getting out of dark days? Yeah, this is now, but it won't be forever. I consider the sufferings in this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. For the creation, creation all around us, eagerly waits with anticipation, eagerly waits, hopes in God for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into glorious freedom of God's children. So one of the things it's saying here is that all of creation around us is groaning also. We aren't the only ones that have dark days. When sin entered the world, death entered the world, and even the trees out there aren't as they should be. They're longing for the redemption. It goes on, it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, we ourselves, who have the Spirit as a firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves. But it doesn't leave us there, right? It's not just saying, hey, I, I know you know Jesus, and one day it's going to be great, but you're just going to groan. He says, you, you groan right now, eagerly awaiting the adoption, eagerly awaiting the redemption of our bodies. We, that is what we look forward to. There's, and because of that, there's nothing that we should fear. He says, now in this hope we are saved. That sounds good. A little rescue is needed here, right? In this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. Boy, that, that's depressing. That could be depressing, right? Like if you're really looking for it, you're looking for that answer. Like, man, I came to church today. Brandon's going to give me the answer, the five steps to whatever. And I'm going to be out of here. It's going to be great. Hope is not hope if it's, if it's uh, seen. So our hope is the reality of knowing God, our Savior, who is the Creator, who is from forever to forever. Our hope is in knowing that, that He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for our sins, that through faith in Christ, we would be forgiven and made new. And that because we're made new, as we, as we approach glory, the one day far off, we will groan on this side of glory. But we know, and we anticipate, and we wait for, and long for, and we hope in the glory to be revealed when Christ returns, and when He takes care of everything, and makes all things new. Now in this hope we are saved, but hope that is not seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Who hopes for what he sees? 
Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. We eagerly wait for it with patience. It's I will wait. It goes back, I will wait for you. I'm going to take refuge in you. I will wait for you. Ultimately saying, I will hope in God. The victory God has accomplished through Christ brings us hope. And as we hope and trust in God, He brings the victory that will carry us through dark days from groaning and one day into glory. Amen? Stand with me if you would. Let's uh, pray and continue in our worship time. Father, we, we trust you. We thank you for your great love for us, that your, your faithful love, your compassionate love. God, we thank you that you are good and that you are upright. And God, we, we wrap ourselves around you. We trust in you. And we, we ask, Lord, that you would, you would be so quick to forgive as we come to you in faith. And God, that we would lift our souls up to you, not just our hands now or our actions, but God, we would lift the, the whole of who we are up to you, yielding ourselves to you, God, knowing that you are the firm foundation, the rock of our salvation, and we thank you for that. God, we thank you that you are the eternal one. God, when we ask, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. You are, you are the creator. You are the sustainer. And Lord, only through you can we have real hope. Only through you can we have real forgiveness. Only through you can we have real help. So we turn to you who is mighty to save. We thank you. And God, as we continue to worship now, may you help us in our time to overflow from the heart with praise and adoration. God, to to sing the word of God to our own heart and to one another that we might be encouraged by it. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.